Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine. And Tulsa's game that should have been over the weekend against Navy, uh, a game that um, probably, uh, you know, I'd, I'd go so far as to say probably, yeah, would have resulted in Tulsa's first win over Navy since 2006, uh, was quote-unquote postponed due to COVID-19. I say quote-unquote because I'm not uh, – it doesn't look like there is really a date that that can be made up this season, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but another another postponement slash, slash cancellation. This is Tulsa's sixth game that has been impacted by the coronavirus, and of those six, only the Oklahoma State game was impacted by something on Tulsa's side, and that game – was just moved like a week later and we still played it um and tu could have played it the original week it's not like the sky was falling and we had to uh cancel everything for you know postpone it for much later in the season or anything like that could have played it that week uh we both had an open week uh, the next week so moved it a week later so tu has handled the virus very well internally props to them um with only one game really partially being impacted by by us on on our side here in tulsa had the Toledo game canceled, OSU game postponed just a week, like I said. Northwestern State canceled, Arkansas State canceled, Cincinnati postponed, and the Navy game postponed. Um, so, no game against Navy to recap there. Uh, we do hopefully have a big one coming up this Saturday night, 6 o'clock in Tulsa at home against number 19 now. They, they dropped one spot, but still number 19 SMU in rivalry game, the Boomtown Showdown. Very excited to talk about it. Uh, always a big game. We can talk about last year's game if you want, Matt, but I'd prefer not to. Um, but yeah, this possibly could have been a ranked matchup had the Navy game happened. Uh, regardless, TU, uh, almost ranked, still on the outside, got 47 points in this week's AP poll, is the third team out of the top 25 following North Carolina with 85 and Army with 54. So you got to think that a win over number 19 SMU would almost certainly push Tulsa over the top and get us ranked for the first time since 2010. Big time rivalry game on Saturday against the Ponies. So let's get to it. Stay golden. Hurricane. So, like, you would think with the number of episodes we've had where we don't need to recap a game uh, since we've only had four actual football games that somehow our, like, episode lengths would be so much shorter than normal, but I feel like we're just really good at filling the space available, be it, like, a recap that we have or just an interview or no sports zone. Like, our episodes, I feel like, have not decreased in how long they are. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> I'm looking at the times now, and yeah, you're you're pretty much right. Let's see. We've got one, two, three, four, five. Five that have been under an hour, and this is going to be our 12th episode. So we're not doing, not doing great at the uh, keep it under an hour. But I would argue that despite having fewer games this season, there has not been a lack of content to discuss. So True. 
it's not like uh, we're just scrambling for things to talk about. We're going over because I think there are interesting things to discuss. So yeah, I just, will always like, argue. Can you imagine? Keep discussing. What can you imagine if we had recaps on top of these, though? Like, I feel like our average episode length would be an hour and a half. Probably true. I think maybe, though, what would happen is we would spend less time on the the more subtle things that we've been talking about. Like, I don't know. You know, we, we probably would just give a higher proportion of time to the recap and far less proportion of time to whatever else uh, we're talking about that week. Some of which has been super interesting and is are things we like maybe wouldn't normally talk about compared to normal normal years where we have kind of the standard recap preview. That's it. Yeah, I feel like the fans demand the subtle comments, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the nuances. That's uh, that's what we bring to the table. Yeah, you know, some some unique insight, whatever. So I'll take it. I, I I'm I'm enjoying the season. It's been fun, regardless of the uh, the games getting canceled, which is definitely unequivocally a bummer. Um, it's been a fun year, I think. Mostly probably because Tulsa's actually good. That definitely makes things better uh, than the previous two years of us doing the show, where Tulsa's football team has been atrocious. Yeah, I'm just like worried with the amount of games that we've already had impacted due to COVID and, you know, like everything cases just going up and up across the country. Like I'm terrified this is going to be the lost season of Tulsa football where we're going to be like really good, but because of that, they cancel all our games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had the same thought and like, oh gosh, it's it's totally possible and you know, all these guys get another year next year. We'll see what happens with that. I doubt all of them actually come back for another year. Many of them probably will, but who knows the fallout from everyone having another year of eligibility, what younger guys are going to transfer because those older guys are coming back for another year. It could have all kinds of weird impacts on the team and across, you know, teams across the country. So very odd, but yeah, so let's, uh, let's, let's jump into SMU. So that's the big game, the boomtown showdown, as we like to call it here on the show. Um, Tulsa Athletics refuses to call it that, but I think secretly they do like it because I have my reasons for thinking that, and they are my reasons and mine alone. Um, but yes, so the Boomtown Showdown, SMU, they are coached by Sonny Dykes, third season on the team. Um, I want to get into their coaching stuff. Uh, we don't have a guest for the show to preview it because SMU seemingly has no internet presence at all. <laughs> they, I can, they, like The only thing I could think of that they have that I know of is uh, they have like that pony up hype train on Twitter. And mm-hmm. that is literally the only SMU account I think I know of. I, I'm pretty sure they don't have a podcast, at least not one that that's active with the rest of the American conference, like Twitter scene or podcast scene. Um, they probably have a blog out there somewhere, but I don't know what it is. And I don't know, man. I, do you know of any that we could have had on here? Yeah, no, I only know the uh, pony up hype train. Yeah. It's the, like, them, them in Memphis, and I feel like Memphis has one or two maybe that started being pretty big this year. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't really know anybody in the SMU sports sphere. Yeah, it's weird. Like, of all the teams, it, it doesn't make sense to me that SMU doesn't have anything. Like, I don't know. It seems like there should be, but whatever. So um, wanted to get into some coaching stuff because we don't have, a um, like, an interview to give you with uh, some of the more, more intricate details of this team. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk about Sonny Dykes and the OC and the defensive coordinator. Um, but some baseline kind of stuff overall on the Mustangs. They are number 19 in both the AP and the coaches' polls. Uh, they dropped a spot from number 18 last week, um, not because they did particularly poorly. They actually uh, won by a lot against Temple last week. 
But despite that, uh, they dropped a spot, um, as did Cincinnati, from number seven to number eight. Um, but yeah, SMU, they're they're good. Don't get me wrong. Their their one loss is to Cincinnati. It was a huge loss. They lost by twenty nine. <laughs> um, but Cincinnati seems to be doing that to everybody that they're playing this season, uh, especially not us. Yeah, not us. They got scared of us apparently, and uh, you know, postponed. Yeah, although I guess you did say to everybody that they've been playing, and they just refused to play us. I did. Yes, it's true. But we will hopefully get them at home on December fifth. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, the Mustangs have beaten Texas State. They beat North Texas. They beat Stephen F. Austin. Uh, kind of the trio of Texas schools to, to kick off their season, um, and then went on to beat Memphis. It was Memphis's first game back at that point. Uh, SMU's fourth game, and Memphis down by a ton early, as you would expect, because it's playing their first game of the year. Um, but came all the way back, almost won the game in Dallas. What was there? It was their second game, right? Because they beat Arkansas State. It was just their first oh, after they right. got co- yes. COVID for all those weeks. Yes. But yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, they played Arkansas State, and that was a yeah. That ended up being a pretty big win for them too. But yeah, first game in a while because they took that time off, and almost got blown out, or it looked like they were getting blown out. Came all the way back, uh, made that a super super close game. Ended up losing uh, in Dallas, but close one there. And then they played Tulane, Navy, and Temple, and beat all of those guys uh, fairly handily. Um. Regarding the like overall series, uh, the all-time series with SMU, SMU leads at all-time, 15-11. to 11. Tulsa's won four of the last six. Um, SMU, <laughs> obviously, you know, don't want to spend a ton of time on this one. But we played them last year. Just go, just go back and listen. <laughs> go back and yeah. listen to the episode if you really want to dwell I wonder, on that. So I've never, like, gone back and listened to an old episode. I wonder how sad we sounded because, man, I, like, listeners – we probably talked about it during this episode, you know, last year after that game. Just a very quick recap, and then we'll move on. We lost 43-37 to 37 in triple overtime after we were up 30-9 to nine going into the fourth quarter in that game. Hopefully, or maybe not, hopefully you all remember that. Uh, put it out of your mind. But, yeah, me and Matt were at that game in Dallas, and we were staying with a friend, so we Ubered from the friend's house to the game and then from the game back to our friend's house and we'll both tell you that was the worst uber ride either of us have ever been on and probably will ever be on not because of anything uber related not because matt and i were mad at each other or anything like that it was just a pool of sadness in that car it was terrible and it was 45 minutes from dallas to fort worth like oh my i was just Ugh. It was crushing. It was literally. I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even look at my phone. I was just staring at the window <laughs> and like, I think I. I think I mentioned it in the in the episode. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna stop. Re- like, I can no longer let my emotional state be dictated by sports because that night almost broke me. <laughs> Dude, it was it was terrible. And that like I know I I I remember you saying that after that game, and I was like, you know. Probably never going to be able to separate myself completely from the outcome of a game because I want to be like an invested fan, but there's there's no way I can let myself that that can't happen <laughs> anymore after a game like that. That was awful, just an awful game. Oh god. So, anyways, moving on. That that's what happened last year. Don't want to talk about last year anymore. New team, new season, 2020, new year, new Tulsa team, um, and new SMU team as well. So they are still good. We are much improved. Tulsa opened up as a three-point favorite at home over the Mustangs, which basically, if you take the three-point spread into account, being the home team, basically means that the oddsmakers think we're pretty evenly matched, and it's kind of a wash. 
Um, ES- Essentially a pick 'em. Yeah, pretty much a pick 'em. Um, ESPN's FPI, however, gives Tulsa a 68.6% chance to win as of yesterday, Sunday. We're recording this on Monday night. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, do you, Matt, do you think that three point spread, the, the kind of the pick 'em that we're laying out here, do you think that makes sense? Um, where do you think we stand on that? Yeah. yeah, so if you just like just looking back at the teams that they've beat. Like, I mean, obviously we talked about them. They've blown out a couple of them. But in conference play, like, they beat Memphis by a field goal. They beat Tulane by a field goal, got blown out by Cincinnati, and then beat Navy by 14 and Temple by, what is that, 24? Like, I feel like they ha- they really haven't, other than Memphis, who they played close, they haven't done super great in like blowing out good teams in this conference and so i feel like obviously if you look at how we've ranked them uh both us and like just on the blogger poll in general like we're the third team on the rankings and so like it's definitely going to be a close game i don't think we're in a position where we can blow out smu Uh, i think we'll put up a lot of points but i think that uh, we're going to have the stronger defense. And so even though it probably will be a shootout, I think we'll get the uh, be able to hold them at least. But, yeah, I could definitely see it coming down to a field goal. I could, you know, but I don't – there's no way SMU blows us out. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a win, honestly. I think we're – I think I feel good about this game. Having the awkward week off in the, you know, last week with Navy not happening um, could be good, could be bad. Uh, arguments both ways there, but – Either way, I think we are positioned to do really well against the time, type of team that SMU is. And it's easy to look at the like conference stat leaders so far this season and be like, wow, SMU, they're like, they must be amazing because Shane Bouchel is the passing leader. Their Delano Robinson um, is leading the conference in tackles. Their running back freshman Ulysses Bentley is leading the conference in rushing. So you're like, wow, what are these guys doing? They've got two receivers on the top five in the conference on receiving core. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. They've played two extra games. <laughs> They've played two more games than the second team that's played the most games in this conference, which is Cincinnati. And I think a couple other teams have played six games. Um, and so that's why that's the case. And, like, they are talented. I don't want to take away from the, them leading the stats. Uh they shouldn't be in first really but they do have a lot of talented people on that team and we'll break some of those guys down later on but I agree with you Matt I think it's going to be a good one um they clearly have a lot of talent especially on the offensive side uh defensively they're not they're not terrible um 63rd in total defense but that's not really I don't know it's not their calling card it never has been uh they're a high-powered offense they have a lot of new faces uh i would say especially because they lost big time receiver reggie robertson and that's one of the first things i wanted to get into was injuries um on the team so like i mentioned uh their senior and leading receiver reggie robertson um out for the year he got hurt against memphis i believe was that game um best receiver for them this year he was the second best last year after james crochet who's now in the nfl i think for the ravens i can't i can't remember what team he plays for um, but James Roche off to the NFL. So Reggie Robertson comes in and has been, had been killing it. Uh, you know, first couple of games, he was, he was lighting people up. And not surprising, a lot of really talented guys. So they lost him for the season. And then sophomore, uh, starting running back for them at the beginning of the year, TJ McDaniel, also out for the year, also against Memphis. And so ever since 
He's been out. It's been the Ulysses Bentley show, who's a freshman, and he's picked up the slack. He's he's done a really good job. Like I mentioned, uh, leading the conference in rushing yards despite – or not despite, but um, because of really the two extra games. But still, doing doing fairly well on the ground game. But still, those are two big-time Yeah, I mean, even, even that being said, he's averaging over 100 yards rushing a game, like 5.9 yards per carry mm-hmm. with like 10 touchdowns on the season. Ulysses Bentley is like – kind of terrifying <laughs> yeah you know i don't know i'm i'm really not terrified of him 5.9 yards of carry in college isn't spectacular it's it's not bad for sure but it's not like i don't know i i don't get the same super worried vibes that i do from somebody like raja harris who by the way and i'll get to this later on had a terrible game last game against tulane after just annihilating us so i don't know if it's freshman inconsistency over there or what but uh, guys like that really scare me. Like I'm, I'm far more worried about somebody like Jared Dokes for Cincinnati. That guy looks like he's gonna annihilate us. He is a, he's a baller. Ulysses Bentley, talented guy. He's a freshman, um, but like SMU's offense has just been so good this year that he's had tons of attempts on the ground. They've rushed the ball 262 times this season, um, not including Shane Bouchelle's rush, rush attempts. And they're pretty balanced. Like, a lot of people think of SMU as air raid, uh, partially because of Rhett Rhett Lashley, their OC, who was there uh, last year and was there for a couple years before that. Um, But they are really pretty balanced. Uh, 289 passing attempts so far this season versus 262 rushes, like I mentioned. Um, So he's getting plenty of attempts. He's doing well with them, for sure. Uh, But he's not the kind of guy – I don't get the same worried vibes I do from somebody like Jared Dokes or Rajay Harris or, uh, you know – ld brown from oklahoma state or something like that um but yeah so let's uh so those are kind of the main injuries reggie robertson tj mcdaniel and stepping up for them are several guys we'll get to kind of some players later before players i want to talk about some coaches right so we'll start things off head coach sonny dykes third year at smu it is his 10th year as a head coach he's not a not a newbie like some of the guys in this conference he's been around for a while um he was at louisiana tech for three years Went five and seven, and then eight and five, and then nine and three. So a successful stint there. Hired by California after that. California is a weird story. He was there for four years. He went one and eleven in his first season. It's fair. It's his first year. Five and seven, eight and five. So three straight years of improvements, and then down to five and seven, and he gets fired in 2016 after his fourth year. So I read that. And I'm not paying attention to Sonny Dykes. I don't know what his backstory is before doing research on this guy for this episode. And I'm like, why the hell would Cal fire this dude um, after a couple of abysmal years of the guy before him? So starts 1-11, brings him all the way to 8-5 and five in three seasons, drops back slightly to 5-7, and seven and he gets fired. So their AD at the time, Mike Williams, said that, you know, his quote was, we're not connecting this in any way to on-field performance. And I read that, I'm like, what? <laughs> why, why are you firing the guy then? Um, and he goes on and he says, I'm very pleased with what Sonny has done with the culture of the football program and with the academic performance of our student-athletes. And so he, you know, he ties it to academic performance as being a positive for Sonny because Cal is trying to be like the Stanford-type school, right? High academic uh, qualifications and requirements, mm-hmm. but still a very powerful football team that can do it both at the same time. Um, apparently, Mike Williams wanted somebody who is more committed to Cal as a program, 
Uh, apparently, Dykes had been looking around at leaving for Houston, Mizzou, Baylor, some other schools. And then also, I think the big reason was just season ticket sales were way down. I looked into that a little bit more, and it seemed like ticket sales had been way down for a while for him, and they wanted a new face, I guess, to reinvigorate the program. So they hired this Justin Wilcox guy who has gone 20 and 18 in his time there, which is respectable. It's fine. I mean, it's not that great, but uh, they fired him. So, yeah, out from Cal. And then SMU hires him in 2017, a year uh, off, basically, after Cal. So he get, Sonny gets fired from Cal, takes the year off in 2016, and then um, SMU hires him 2017 season uh, for the 2017 season after Chad Morris left SMU for Arkansas to be promptly fired after two years there and is now with Auburn as their offensive coordinator. So weird deal with Sonny Dykes. Um, he's done a good job with the Mustangs by all accounts. I mean, he, he inherited a pretty good team that Chad Morris left him. Chad kind of brought them up from nowhere. I think when Chad took over the Mustangs, SMU was like the third worst team in the country the year before, if I remember that right. Chad brought them all the way back, got him ball eligible. Um, or at least, yeah, I think seven and five was his last season. And then, you know, he, he heads off. So Sonny Dykes takes over that team, takes them to new heights, uh, obviously brings them to whatever, 10 and three or 11 and two they were last year. And, um, then they get annihilated in their bowl game, but whatever, had a good season last year. Um, so weird deal with Sonny. I think he's a good coach. Uh, lots of weird stops. I guess one one really weird stop at Cal, a pretty good stop at Louisiana Tech, but doing doing fair at, at SMU so far. I would say doing very well probably at SMU so far. The uh, other slightly weird story, the DC is not not that weird of a story, but the other kind of weird one is, um, is their offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley. So... First year, offensive coordinator replaces Rhett Lashley, like I mentioned. Rhett, big air raid style guy, goes and joins Manny Diaz's staff in Miami. Um, and this, I mean, first of all, he's he's Lincoln Riley's brother, uh, for what that's worth. He's his younger brother. Lincoln Riley, obviously the head coach at OU, and uh, was an offensive assistant for receivers and quarterbacks at East Carolina for three years under um, – one of their best coaches all time, Ruffin McNeil, who got also unjustly fired. And so he, he was over there for a while um, at ECU. And then he did a few various like offensive related things, kind of assistant work at Kansas under David Beattie. And then 2019, he, <laughs> he is an offensive assistant at App State. Uh, so not even, not even an OC at App State. Um, and App State, you might remember, head coach in 2019 was Elijah Drinkwitz, who is now coaching Mizzou uh, and was also only at App State for a year. So Garrett Riley over there, offensive assistant in App State, promoted to offensive coordinator after Elijah Drinkwitz, who was head coach and OC, not unlike our head coach, Philip Montgomery, doing both, um, leaves for Mizzou. So he gets promoted to offensive coordinator. And like two weeks later after that promotion, he leaves for SMU and joins them as their as their OC. So kind of a weird come up for him. Uh, seems like a hot name now all of a sudden, like because SMU is doing so well, but is that because of him or is that because of the system and talent that SMU has that Garrett has inherited? Uh, I'll leave that up to you to decide, but Garrett, did, did he work with his, uh, with his brother at ECU? Yes, they were both there. Uh, at the, I think at the same time, I'm almost positive at the same time, because I know that Garrett uh, or that Lincoln was there under Ruffin at some point. Um, I don't know if they were there. I, I would bet that they were there at the same time, yes. 
Uh, but yeah, kind of an interesting story with him. And then their defensive coordinator, much less interesting of a story, Kevin Kane. It's his third year with the program. Um, began as a student assistant at Kansas. Uh, he played linebacker for them when he was in college, so he kind of got his career going there. Three years at Wisconsin after that as a grad assistant. Um, six years then at Northern Illinois, uh, his last two seasons as their defensive coordinator. He took a year off in the middle of that to go be Kansas's linebacker's coach for some reason, and then went back to Northern Illinois after that as their DC. Um, so he's been there for, you know, three years. He's doing okay. Uh, SMU's never really, like I said, never really been known for their defense, at least not recently. Um, but they are better, I think, notably than they have been in the past. They used to have just an abysmal defense, uh, kind of similar to ours, our offense and defense um, that was around in like the 2015, 2016 years and powered by their offense, right? So he's kind of there, um, more of a, you know, placeholder guy. <laughs> he doesn't really stand out to me. Uh, so yeah, they've got some some interesting names in their in their coaching staff. Garrett Riley apparently hit it off really well with the rest of Sonny Dykes' staff, and that's why I I read that uh, it was pretty much Sonny's call and Sonny's call only to make that Garrett Riley hire with the inexperience that he had. Um, but seems to be paying off fairly well. So football is certainly in his blood. And if you take a look at Lincoln and how he's doing at OU, so interesting stuff. I really like learning about. Um, the guys that are running the show over there, and uh, we'll see how things go. Uh, but definitely cool to know that these are the guys that are going to be coming to town on Saturday night playing in Tulsa. We'll see if we can take them down. Um, along the lines of uh, the players, big name dude is obviously our quarterback, Shane Bouchelle. Big transfer from Texas, came to SMU after he lost the start- starting spot um, to Sam Ellinger. Um, came to SMU last season, led the Mustangs to – hell of a season it was 10 and 3 they went last year yeah um got to play on college game day they weren't hosting memphis was hosting but they that was the game it was memphis versus smu memphis beat them uh by a decent margin if i remember that right like it was close most of the game i think but um kind of ended up being uh like a double digit win i think for memphis i can't remember but very very good game um having a good season once again completing 67 percent of his passes for over 2500 yards already um incredible touchdown to interception ratio 20 to 3 td to interception ratio that is that's amazing you know he's played eight games over eight games he's thrown three picks so for reference tulsa has played four games zach smith's touchdown to interception ratio is seven to five so much (laughs) (laughs) i know (laughs) and it really doesn't seem like zach's is that bad because he's thrown some just garbage like not garbage but like garbage time uh, irrelevant picks like fourth quarter just fourth down in the fourth quarter just chuck it up in the air and see what happens that's happened once or twice yeah it's like that and and then it's he also does just gets one out of the system and like throws it the first offensive drive or like second <laughs> offensive drive of the game yes, you know, yes. Just get the bad throws out of the way which you know maybe there's something to be said for that we won that game so hey you know whatever we're both uh we both have one loss on the season so give me that um yeah so He's a he's a big time dude, you know. He's got a, he's got a ton of talent. He's a senior. Um, he wants to make a statement for SMU. He made a statement for SMU last year. He wants to repeat it, and he's got a you know even bigger challenge in front of him with uh, Reggie Robertson getting hurt for the year, which was his you know, wide receiver one coming into the season after losing James Prochet last year, who annihilated us in our game. Um, but R- Robinson's a, a big time dude who we lost, so kind of filling in for 
Reggie Robertson on the receiver side, they've got a stable of really four guys who are their, who are their big guys. Um, I don't know if I want to say most talented, but certainly leading the team this year uh, so far is a sophomore, Rashi Rice. And that's a name I'm, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of over the coming years because he, like I said, is only a sophomore. Leads the team in catches, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. 39 catches, 580 yards, and five touchdowns on the year for him. But they spread the ball out a lot, like I'll, like you'll see when I go down this list. Um, he's really doing a good job. Uh, and by he, I mean Shane Bouchelle of spreading the ball out. Um, all of these guys have 25 or more catches on the season. I'm about to list four of them. So they really don't kind of just pin one guy and just have everything go to him like a lot of teams you'll see do. Like the biggest example of that that I – think off the top of my head is like ECU with Zay Jones like three years ago they just threw to him like every possible time they could get it out to him that is not the case with the Mustangs they really spread it out their second leading guy um, in terms of receiving yards is uh, and I'm counting him as a receiver because he is catching balls he's a tight end uh, but Kylan Granson transfer from Rice 30 catches 485 yards three touchdowns big dude really talented Um, he averages the most yards per catch on the team with 16.2 and so you know i've watched a couple smu games this season and he has he is like a he's a mismatch nightmare like he's a big dude he's gonna catch some slower guy on him a lot of the time and he's gonna burn you because he's basically a receiver like i saw um i can't remember the website now but when i was looking him up uh over the weekend a lot of a lot of websites had him as a wide receiver slash tight end right so he lines up outside and He's fast enough to burn you. So very worried about him because uh, we don't play a lot of teams that have that big, powerful tight end like that that can really torch you deep. So we'll see how we handle uh, Kylan Granson. Um, another senior receiver, Tyler Page, 32 catches for 383 yards and two touchdowns. And then a junior, Danny Gray, 25 catches for 355 yards and four touchdowns. So, Matt, are there, like, of those guys or of – really any of their offensive weapons we'll get to the running back in a bit um who are you most worried about in this game who do you think can do the most damage to tulsa mm. um man you know initially i'd say like kylan granson just sounds dangerous but i mean when you look at our what our biggest biggest advantage with our backs is is that they're big and so they're big and they're fast and so i think that actually does well, yeah, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends how they use him. If they have him line up in a more traditional tight end type, uh, like on the line, then we might have issues just because our safeties aren't quite as tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I guess it would actually be linebackers at that point trying to cover him if he's more in the uh, like in between the hashes. Yeah, and I mean early. it could be either one. That's why it's so tough to to cover a guy like this because if they send him if they send him shallow. I'll, most of the time it'll be a linebacker chasing him um which i honestly feel pretty good with a any of our linebackers honestly on him they're i I would i would except like do we know the final state of like zavin collins like is he fully healthy from the toe like that's these are the things like i'm not sure about the like yeah some of the health of some of our key contributors like Tyneal martin zavin collins i think that makes it tougher yeah and i haven't um, heard any updates so that's why on, uh, i haven't heard any updates on zavin or on Tyneal. Mm-hmm. um you got to expect that Tyneal should be back by now two weeks out uh i guess maybe it'd be three by now right because he would yeah because it was south florida yeah. he wasn't playing um so hopefully he's back but yeah i don't know i haven't heard any updates on uh 
on Zayvon Collins. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that's just kind of like intriguing to me is like, I don't know if I'm scared about him, but Austin Upshaw looks like he was a quarterback for the, his first two years <laughs> at SMU and then switched to wide receiver this year. Mm-hmm. And he's only played a couple games. He's only actually like been in five of them, but he's got 140 yards on 10 receptions. Wow. Like I'm curious, like I guess I'd have to go back and see when those are. Like what kind of plays they're running, whether if they're doing some sort of wildcat or trick play with him, or if they just have him lining up. Like just something I guess to be aware of is that you know he's pretty good cat, like got good hands for catching, not just for throwing. Apparently, yeah, that's a good call. And I know, like, yeah, I mean he he's definitely one to keep an eye on. I've seen his name thrown around out there. Um, as a talented guy and I didn't pay attention to his numbers that much because they were lower, but yeah, maybe that's just because he has, he kind of is just now getting into his converted receiver from quarterback deal. So interesting guy to pay attention to. They do have uh, you know, you can see if you look down their passing stats, they have um, uh, a couple guys who like have thrown the ball that are not quarterbacks like Tyler page and Delano Robinson. And that's interesting too. So, you know, they're, uh, every now and then have some trickery going on with who's throwing the ball from some weird formation. So things to keep an eye on uh, with Tyler Page, like I mentioned, the um, the senior receiver. And then Delano Robinson is a defense player. I think he's a linebacker for them. So not sure what he's doing out there. Yeah, and I think just the other point is, like, as you mentioned, they've got four guys who have uh, at least 25 receptions. Uh, and then you also got, you know, like, Ulysses Bentley's got 16 so he's not super far behind uh, on that and so it just kind of makes it an important that like there are no easy um, I guess assignments yep. for anybody in the field like everybody's got to be playing like 110% every time they're snapping the ball because I mean any one of those guys can burn us big yeah, and you know it's like, you know it's possible to stop them based on how Cincinnati did against them, beating them forty-two to thirteen. They totally shut down SMU's offense. They looked like they couldn't do anything. Obviously, that is not the norm for them. They usually are a super high-powered offensive team, but it's possible. And so, if we can study the hell out of that Cincinnati film, try to do whatever they did, uh, let's do that. But yeah, I mean you're right. And one of the reasons I think that Ulysses Bentley, even as a freshman, has had such a good year is because they spread that ball out so effectively on the passing game. So since they have that, you know, obviously successful passing is going to lead to more successful rushing because the defense has to spread out a little bit, uh, mix things up, and then the running lanes open up because linebackers aren't all jammed in the middle. So that certainly has some effect on Bentley's season. But, yeah, let's get to him. Um, It would have been, in terms of running backs, it would have been kind of a co-deal, probably more leaning towards T.J. McDaniel who was their um, starting guy coming into the season, sophomore running back. But obviously, like I mentioned, he's out for the year. Um, So now it's all basically Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. Um, 132 carries so far this season, 774 yards, 10 touchdowns. Like you mentioned, Matt averages 5.9 yards a carry, which is is really solid numbers. Um, And like you also mentioned, has 16 catches on the year for over like 100 and I don't remember, 100-something yards, 120-something. 128. Yeah, there you go. Um, and he's a, he's a good player. Uh, I don't want to take away from him, but I do think a lot of that is because they are so effective in the passing game. So 
maybe I'll eat my words and uh, the passing game will shut the passing game down and he will just annihilate us on the running game like Roger Harris did. Um, but we will see what happens. He's definitely talented. Um, but I, he's not the, like I said, I, I, he's not the kind of guy that we shouldn't be able to stop. Like I am legitimately worried about being able to stop somebody like Jared Dokes for Cincinnati. Uh, I'm not really that worried about tackling or being able to stop Ulysses Bentley. And maybe that's just because he's a freshman and I'm still warming up to him on how good he is, but uh, he doesn't, uh, you know, I don't get goosebumps watching him run down the field yet. Um, I feel good about this game. And we talked about it already a bit on in terms of like how we think this game is going to go. But I think we match up nicely with how SMU likes to play. I mean, you know, I guess I would have thought better about it um, prior to the East Carolina game because East Carolina kind of torched our passing defense, and I don't really know why <laughs> that happened still. I know Caleb Evans was out for a while, and so was Zayvon Collins, and we were dealing with some injuries and some other stuff, but, uh, man, they, like, we couldn't tackle Tyler Sneed. That guy was slipping around all over the place on us. I don't know if that kind of exposed some things for the coaching staff to work on, Maybe that did. Maybe that was, like we mentioned in our East Carolina recap, kind of a wake-up call for the defense and for our offense, uh, that game being close at all. Uh, it really shouldn't have been. Um, just look how Tulane handled East Carolina last week. They, they destroyed them. So uh, I don't know. We'll see how this game goes. But, Matt, if you had to you know, kind of sum up how you think it's going to go, how you think this game is going to end, um, how do you think it winds up? Yeah, I don't know. Um, had we played against Navy, I would have been – I would have said this is going to be a shootout. Uh, last team with the ball wins, um, except if it was SMU with the ball last, we would have forced a turnover and won, so it would have been <laughs> us winning. Um, but I don't know, because I feel like we said similar things with OSU and that it was going to be a shootout of a game, and then we all know how that goes. And so, Well, I'm, actually, I'm honestly not convinced well, it's going to be a shootout. Like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I don't know. I, I, I do think... I don't think it will be. I don't think our, our offense has been disappointing. Um, and I think, you know, I thought that would have turned around by now this year. And it hasn't at this point. If, if it hasn't so far in the season, I'm not totally convinced it's going to this year. Maybe it will. I'd, right. I'd love it to. But what I've seen out of them has been slightly disappointing. All right. And that's where I'm in the same boat is because we have, like, I feel like a big reason why our offense hasn't been doing great is because we keep having these stop and goes and Mm -hmm. like that just ruins any momentum that we come into these games with like osu we had every game before that canceled and then (laughs) even that was postponed by a week so that throws like the rhythm off and then we went for so long before the ucf game and it showed like our offense was atrocious at the first half and it was it like took a long time for them to get there uh get where they were going and then we had, um, I guess we had another break between the South Florida one, and that's the, the the one where we've looked best in. But even the score, like that that it shows, is like a lar- in large part because our defense did so well. And I mean, we even had a defensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a shootout in that sense. I think it'll be it's going to be higher scoring than the OSU game was. I hope, or else it'll be really boring. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, I think we match up well enough that our offense will be able to move the ball instead of just looking inept like we have at certain points this so far this year. 
Um, and I think though our defense is not going to be as lights out as they were or, and have shown, um, they'll do enough to make sure that we pull it off. Yeah, and I think a lot of it also, um, you know, a, a question to watch at least is if a Caleb Evans is out again because he missed the second half of the East Carolina game. That's a huge miss for Tulsa's defense. And something to watch there is who comes in for him at corner. I know usually it's been – Ryan Nixon in for a Caleb Evans and Tyon Davis in for Allie Green. But um, I don't know. Like, there's no reason you couldn't put Tyon Davis over there. There's no reason you couldn't swap either of them around, both play both sides of the field. Um, so I'm interested to see if Evans is out, who gets the start at least, uh, who's out there at the beginning of the game for the first series on defense, because it's just fun to watch. Like, I like both of those corners a lot. Ryan Nixon was my defensive breakout player of the player of the year this year but I also really like Tyon Davis um Nixon I picked mostly just because he's I think he's got three inches on Tyon Davis but both are really fast talented dudes um but man putting them out there starting against the powerhouse of offense that SMU has over there that's a little bit scary uh I know I think Tyon is a junior uh Ryan Nixon is a sophomore so they're not necessarily, you know, fresh out of the high school and, you know, they don't have any experience or anything, but SMU is a lot to ask um, a guy who doesn't usually start to come in and handle uh, and totally shut down like, like Cincinnati was able to do. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens there. But regardless, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a tough one. I think we have a real shot to win this game. Winning this game, I think, definitively puts us in the top 25. Um, regardless of how we win, close game or not, I think that puts us over the top. Uh, with any help from the bottom tier of the top 25 right now. So I'm super psyched for it. I like, I love playing SMU. I hate that school. I'm always very excited about watching the game. So man, I'm psyched about it. Should be a good one. As long as, you know, knock on wood, it actually happens. Yeah, dude. Oh my God. I know. Let's not even, don't even speak it into his existence here. Um, but that's really, I think, all I've um, mostly got to cover on SMU. Do you have anything else you want to bring up about the Mustangs? Um, no, other than um, I feel like we've always played them well. Uh, two years ago when we were atrocious, we beat SMU <laughs> to prevent them from going bowling. Yeah, man. Last year when we like just were had the makings of a disappointing team, we played like outplayed them for so long mm-hmm. and then – I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> so it's going to be a great game, I think. And I think I think it'll be the most competitive game um, that is, like, enjoyable to watch all the way through. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think it's going to be a battle. Gets, well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I have to backtrack. It'll be, like, from start to finish, I'll say. I will, It will be, like, an enjoyable game to watch. Because UCF was miserable for the beginning. And then East Carolina was like, yeah, we won. And it was clo- It was like not great in the beginning. And then also that last drive was just like, y- you just feel kind of guilty. Yeah. So <laughs> none of that. None of that here. Yeah. And it really, like you get, I don't know. I just have the feeling that this is going to be an awesome game. I mean, finally, Tulsa is good again. I mean, we, you know, we were good last year. Everybody knows that Tulsa was talented last year. Even other teams knew we were good last year. But you know, it didn't show in the record. Finally, that it is showing in the record. This is basically a top 25 matchup. We are right there. Probably would be had we played two of the, you know, two of the five games that hadn't, that got impacted by um, COVID that ended up not being played yet. 
So, you know, I'm looking at it as, as a ranked matchup. I'm looking at it as a win and you're in the top 25 for the first time in 10 years game. I'm looking at it as a rivalry game, which I'm sure, uh, you know, the rest of the rest of the Tulsa's team is um, probably all of SMU's team is as well. There's bad blood between these teams. Look at last year. It was a freaking nuts game that only adds fuel to both teams fires. So I think I am. I'm really, really excited for this. Being at home is, is really awesome. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's far limited crowd size so it's not gonna be quite as exciting uh, in the stadium but still i mean just the environment of the game and everything that it could mean to this team um really gets me psyched about this one so very much looking forward to saturday at uh six o'clock and i think it's on espn too is that right yes yeah all right so let's chug along here uh talk some conference football i was um I didn't get to watch any of these games. (laughs) Actually, I was camping this weekend, so didn't get to watch them. Uh, There were four conference games that were all, uh, you know, really, I don't know. None of them were particularly great, but one of them was incredibly surprising uh, based on score, at least. I'll start from the top here. So number six, Cincinnati taking on Houston. What I would have thought would have been the most exciting game of the weekend, but as Cincinnati continues to prove to me, anybody they play, it's not going to be exciting. They're just going to win by like 25 and that keeps happening. So Cincinnati beat Houston 38 to 10. Um, Houston, I mean, I can't figure out what to make of them. I really thought they'd be, have a better showing at this point in the season with everybody they had uh, coming back after their really weird, you know, red shirt thing from last year. But, uh, you know, I mean, so all of my comments on these games are just based on uh, numbers and some highlights that I watched. I didn't get to watch the games like I mentioned. Uh, But it looked like Houston just really couldn't stop the run, which, again, worries me because Cincinnati's Jared Dokes is a freaking baller. Uh, He ran for 184 yards and a touchdown. Cincinnati's quarterback impressed once again, um, ran for 103 yards and three touchdowns. He also threw for 162 yards and a touchdown. He did have one interception in there, uh, which I – Man, it feels like his first one in a few games because he was throwing them. I think he was. I think his ratio at the beginning of the year was like six touchdowns to four interceptions. And when we talked to uh, Clayton Truder from down the drive, they, he was like, "Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the fans were calling for him to be benched like halfway through the year." <laughs> and all of a sudden, there he is. Like right after that comment, he like lights up four teams in a row, throws for like 300 yards a game and a bunch of touchdowns, and is just embarrassing teams. So. Man, that guy has seemingly turned it around. We'll see how he gets when, when he plays uh, some tougher defenses than SMUs and Memphises, but still some good teams there that they're lighting up. But, yeah, Cincinnati smoked Houston. Um, uh, based on some uh, just comments I read, some blog posts I read about that game, Clayton Toon from Houston, their quarterback, apparently looked really off. Um, he threw for no touchdowns and interception, kind of looked out of place all game. Not sure why. Uh, Houston's running back, Kyle Porter, scored the Cougars' only touchdown. So, weird game from Houston. Only putting up 10 points. Obviously, Cincinnati's got a hell of a defense. But I really would have thought Houston would have made that more of a game. I kind of still like to think that they're a sleeper, but they keep uh, proving me wrong. So, sorry uh, for Houston there. Um, next up, SMU, who obviously we are playing this week. They had a game last weekend. They played Temple, who is vying for that spot as worst in the conference at this point. Uh, they beat Temple 47-23, to or SMU beat Temple 47-23. to Shane Bouchel, once again, had a hell of a game, threw for 355 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, improved that 20-3 to touchdown-to-interception ratio um, in that game, obviously. Their freshman running back 
ran Ulysses Bentley. We talked plenty about him. Ran 17 times for 79 yards. Uh, no scores though for him that game. And then Tyler Page and Kylan Granson, both big games, both had over 100 receiving yards, scored touchdowns. And then Rushy Rice, also 59 yards and a score. Temple, however, <laughs> Temple is a dumpster fire, man. And their starting quarterback's name is Trad. And that is all I'm going to say about them because I don't like talking about Temple. Huh. <laughs> uh, so moving on to a more exciting game. Memphis, surprisingly, against South Florida. Did you see the score, Matt? It was, uh, I don't remember the final, but it was a point, right? Yes. One point game between, are you kidding me? One point? I would be freaking, how do my mind mad? Memphis, you know, at least they won, I guess. They beat South Florida by one, 34 to 33. So, you know, take this for what it's worth. Is, UC, is USF figuring it out? Did Memphis have just a, a hiccup game? It was at home even. It was in Memphis. Um, the big news out of that game, USF had a definitive start at quarterback once again after kind of going back to the drawing board um, during our game against them when they played three quarterbacks again noah johnson not jordan mcleod got the definitive start at quarterback for the bulls no other quarterback played not because they got hurt or anything it was just the noah johnson show and he's the dude he transferred from alcorn state Uh, i think he knew jeff scott fairly well i don't remember what the relationship is there but that's kind of how he ended up coming to the bulls and he was the starter and he played really well (laughs) Like, I mean, based on numbers, I don't know. Maybe maybe the eye test shows otherwise. But obviously, he played well enough to put him in one point of the Tigers. Uh, 20 for 29 for 217 yards and two touchdowns. So maybe USF found their guy. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure Noah Johnson is a senior. So they'll, <laughs> they'll have to go back to the trying for it oh, again. Uh, well, I know. I mean, they get another year with him if he decides to stick around. Oh, hey, that's true. Good point. Yeah, so maybe they'll uh, have some more time to develop Jordan uh, Jordan McLeod or uh, Cade Fortin or somebody else. I don't know. Um, but, man, I mean, so on the Memphis side, they won the game. They put they put up 34 points because Brady White is a stud. Uh, he threw for 437 yards and four touchdowns through the air. But the rushing game for Memphis, which after these last, like, four years straight, you would never think would be the thing holding them back. Um, but – you know, on the stat sheet, that looks pretty suspect. They've got two, they're kind of two main guys this season. Uh, Kylan Watkins and Rodriguez Clark, Dreek Clark, uh, eight, totaled 83 rushing yards between the two of them. And that is concerning, right? Because they had Kenneth Gainwell coming into the year, who uh, is an absolute monster, and he opted out. So they've been, they've been going with Kylan Watkins and, and Dreek Clark. And those guys have been doing fine. Like they had, I mean, Rodriguez Clark, I think, was leading the conference in rushing for a while. Um, he's probably he might still be leading them in average yards per carry. I can't remember, but he's a really talented guy. And Kylan Watkins is good too. So, the fact that South Florida was able to shut them down like that, eighty-three yards between both of them, that is, uh, I was surprised by it at least. But Memphis comes away with a win, one pointer, thirty-four to thirty-three. Um, crazy that that was that close. But hey, maybe South Florida's turning around. Who knows? And then final game, uh, Tulane playing East Carolina. Uh, Tulane beat them 38-21. to And honestly, I thought East Carolina was going to win this game. Based on how they played us and how they, specifically how they lost to us, I thought ECU would be pissed in this game and come in ready for a fight and take everything they've got to Tulane. And maybe they had that mentality coming in and, like, overshot them, you know, because you can get too excited in these games and, like, overdo your role on the team. Um but I don't know, man. Like, like I said earlier, Tulane held 
ECU's star freshman running back, Rajah Harris, who destroyed us, held Rajah Harris at 27 yards on 13 carries. Are you kidding me? That, like, I can't physically believe that, that he only got 27 yards that game. I don't know if he got hurt or something, but 13 carries, I mean, makes you think he got his touches in there. Uh, just shut him down. Um, Blake Prawl for East Carolina, however, did have a very good game. 13 catches, 182 yards, two touchdowns. That's one guy doing all that. That's pretty insane. Uh, so he definitely did well. Um, and then another little note from Tulane. They threw it as many times as they ran it, 34 times each. Cam Carroll for them had a tw- 129 yards on six carries. He touched the ball six times, 129 God. yards, and two touchdowns. Like, Jesus. what is that? How is that possible? I'm like, I look at that. I'm like, is that a typo? It's supposed to be 16 carries. That is that is so weird. So, anyways, the guy like Tulane talks about him a lot. Fear the Wave tweets about him all the time. That Cam Carroll guy, and he's definitely proven himself here. But uh, on the receiving end, Deuce Watts, uh, twin of Fat Watts, the best name in the conference, caught two touchdown passes from uh, their freshman quarterback over there, Michael Pratt. So. Tulane beats the Pirates 38 to 21 to keep the Pirates down in the bottom three of the conference. All righty, let's move on to basketball, which is our last topic of the show, I believe, unless we have anything else to cover afterwards. Um, and the notable news here, and I want to get your take on it pretty quick, or not not pretty quick, but right off the bat, Matt. Um, non-conference schedule was announced. Did you get a chance to take a look at that? I did. All right, so... Lots of little bits and pieces out of here. What are your overall thoughts on this schedule? Um, so I'm sure that this was a hell of a non-conference schedule just to try and plan with everything uh, that's happening and like the like so many question marks. But I think it's a. I mean, I think it's it's a lot better than last year's, um, even with just it being <laughs> oh six games. In my opinion. Yeah, dude. Like I forgot how bad last year's non-conference schedule was. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. Wasn't like, TCU like the only exciting game on there? We didn't play TCU. Or who it was, was Boise, it? Boise, Boise State. Oh, it even and worse. Like, they're not a yeah. basketball school. I mean, yeah. that being said, like we also lost to UT Arlington in non-conference last year. Like we weren't amazing. Great in our non-conference point. schedule. So <laughs> it was just like the the teams that we were playing was so boring, and it's like yeah. this. We start off our first two games are all against, uh, you know, TCU in Big 12 and then either Northwestern from uh, the Big 10 or South Carolina from the SEC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you play some big programs. Yeah, no doubt. And, yeah, like you, you touched on it there, that kind of the kick off the season. We've got, you know, as, as teams often do, kind of a, a tournament to open things up. And ours is the Hall of Fame Classic. It's in Kansas City. Um, and like you mentioned, Matt, the other teams being uh, outside of us, it's a four-team tournament. The teams are us, uh, TCU, Northwestern, and South Carolina. So that's an exciting one to open the year, man. Like those are fun teams to, to look at, to play against. Um, and we will play, you know, assume if we beat TCU, we'll play the winner of South Carolina and Northwestern. And that is on November 28th and 29th. So excited for that. Right around the corner, feels like. I mean, today's the 9th of November, and that's 20 days away. That is, I mean, knocking on the door. So excited for basketball season again and then yeah i mean we've got like you said ut arlington again that ended up being you know more exciting of a game than i would have liked we lost that game um hopefully we'll win it this year ut arlington is uh pretty rough in ken palm rankings this season they're 159th but who knows man i mean we're 90th so it's not like we're blowing teams out uh, based on ken palm so far 
Um, then December 8th, we have Arkansas, huge game, coming to home, coming into the Donald Reynolds Center. You know, I mean, that's going to be amazing. By the way, something I always forget, our basketball stadium is the Reynolds Center. Arkansas's football stadium is also the Reynolds Center, and that's the same guy. I don't know what the relationship is there. I forgot. I learned this during college. It's blanking. I'm blanking on it. Do you remember this at all? Mm-mm. Okay. Any listeners who know the story of Donald W. Reynolds, why... Did he give money for us to have a basketball stadium and for Arkansas to have a football stadium? I'd love to know. So shoot us that info if you got it off the top of your head. Um, but yeah, so December 8th, we play them at home. I am freaking psyched about that. I mean, they, uh, you know, Arkansas smoked us last year. Or was it two years ago? I think it was last year. Um, that was a rough – was that was it last year? Yeah, it was last year because uh, Arkansas really wanted to put up 100 points, uh, and we held them to 98 <laughs> with our yeah. super strong defense. So, I mean, yes, they're kind of slackers. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that like a 30-point game? Didn't we get smoked yeah, by them? Yeah, it was, it was 98-79. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, well, we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's not a 30-point game. It's a 20-point game. So, who knows the way it's going to go this year. Arkansas, however, is uh, 54th in Ken Palm. So, um Second best team that we have on the schedule so far. Honestly, kind of surprised they're not the best. TCU is the best in terms of Ken Palm ranking. TCU is 53, and that's our first game of the year. So very quick uh, barometer to see how ready for the year this team is. And that terrifies me because I, you know, my impression is that Frank Haith's teams are never ready at the beginning of the season. And we play around with starting lineups for like six weeks. And then we finally kind of settle on one. And then we still kind of play around with that for another few weeks. And then we settle on it like 10 weeks into the season. So yeah, who knows how it's going to go. But you I, don't get that buffer, especially with the way our, like our non-conference is front loaded. Dude, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we definitely had the buffer last year in terms of the level of teams we're playing. That is not there. The buffer is literally the opposite direction this season. Our, if you look at Ken Palm rankings, it starts very good and slowly gets worse. We only have six games non-conference the last two just so I can knock them out. December 12th, we have Oral Roberts at Oral Roberts, and then December 18th is Northwestern State, and that is in Louisiana. So is Northwestern State non-conference? even a Division One program? I, I have no idea. I don't think so. That. I mean, they're in the Ken Palm rankings, so I guess. Um, okay, but yeah, I think they have to be then. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. But I, they're FCS I for football, them. but... There you go. Yeah, so a six-team uh, schedule, and Frank Haith came out and you know said challenging schedule probably not complete um and then he added at the end i think having some flexibility during this time is a good thing and he's probably right but i'm definitely concerned that we start off playing the number 53 ken palm team then move on to either the 60 or 70 ken palm team then we have kind of maybe a slight week off with the number 159th team ut arlington who beat us last year and then we play number 54 (laughs) arkansas fortunately that's at home so whatever advantage we get there um will come into play And then we get a couple games, maybe, you know, I'm not going to say games off because we've had a weird history with Oral Roberts. But ORU always plays plays hard against us. (laughs) Dude, I know. So, you know, they're 201st in Ken Palm, and then Northwestern State is the worst one on the slate so far, and that is Northwestern State uh, at 268. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, man. I think it's it's definitely a more exciting non-conference schedule so far. compared to last year's i know it's only six games but the teams on there it's already more big name teams than we played the entire non-conference last season so i'm psyched for that and i was i was today years old when i discovered that we actually right now have a four-year win streak over oral roberts does not feel like that 
Dude, that really doesn't. I would have guessed like two. Yeah, wow. We haven't, lost, we haven't lost since 2016. Was that? Oh my gosh. That 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 really is surprising. <laughs> I I am surprised. That it feels like we we lose to them often. Did we lose to them a couple years in a row before that? Uh, it was like, yeah, fifteen, sixteen. We both we lost. Yeah, we lost to them for three years in a row Ooh, prior to that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Which weird. was weird because we were really good for those years. But yeah, no, the years we lost to them, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I mean, fourteen is when we uh won the conference USA. Yeah. and then 15 you know first year we had that like what 10 11 game win streak in the middle of the mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. um and then 16 we made the ncaa tournament so yeah oh yeah i remember because every yeah we were making jokes either last year or the year before about how it's like we, how the season goes is like solely based on the game against ohio if we beat them it's probably a bad year if we win or if we lose it's probably a good year but obviously uh that didn't play out last season since we beat them and then also tied for first in the conference. <laughs> and I guess it, it also depends on like, what do you think of a good or bad year? Like 18 ended up being like a decent year for what it was. 19 was bad. Yeah, man. was bad. So yeah, actually it's still kind of other <laughs> last year is kind of the anomaly right now. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I am obviously like a huge basketball fan very excited for basketball season to get rolling once again always fun um to have football and basketball at the same time for the short few weeks that we get that um and that's right around the corner so very much looking forward to it. we're already getting into kind of the joint episodes but not quite yet okay if you like the show um Lots of things you can do that we would really appreciate. Make sure you subscribe to it in your podcast app so you get notifications uh, whenever we put out a new one. Share it on Twitter. Tell a friend about it. We really appreciate all that stuff. Uh, you can leave, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's also really great to see, good or bad. Um, we just want to get some feedback from you guys. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, etc. cetera. Um, if you want to support us financially, you, there are a couple different ways that you can do that, and we really appreciate um, any, any help you can give us there. Just go to thegoldenhurricast.com slash support, and you'll find those ways uh, if you're interested. And finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at goldenhurricast, all one word there. Or if you want to send us an email with feedback or ideas or guest guest ideas or anything like that, uh, you can shoot us an email, um, and that is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Stay golden. Stay golden.